welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theor in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode and leave a five-star review while you're there. Did you know there is an easy way to help support the podcast and keep the show going? Buy Me A Coffee is an incredible new platform where you, the loyal Block Talk audience, can say thank you to your favorite host. All you have to do is show support with a few taps by leaving a little tip that's just like buying me a cup of coffee. And the great thing is you don't even need to create an account. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash blocktalk and keep Block Talk going strong like a cup of coffee. And as always, follow me on Instagram at michaelblocktalk, on Twitter at blocktalknyc, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. The season 14 reunion was really just a spinoff for the new series called Jasmine Kennedy vs. the World, as Miss Mouth Almighty got to be the star of the episode. Was this a fair representation of the season? Listen to find out as we talk all things Drag Race 14 and reunited with me. It's just me and just JP. Hello! Hi, hi! Thank you for having me back. How did you enjoy the Jasmine show? <laughs> it was amazingly long. Yeah. And... <laughs> it was very funny to me to finally be like, okay, we're moving on to a new segment with Jasmine. Yeah, she really was um, the star of the season. So basically, she's confirmed for a future All Star season. Absolutely, you know that. Her gonna... and Daya, you know the two of them yes. are going to be on the same season. Yes, if Daya doesn't win, you know that Daya and Jasmine will be in the same season. Absolutely, they they are there to create drama even if they're best friends they're they're, they're going to be cast together just and for I, the option yeah and i think they both understand that after seeing this season air right and then go yeah. and, and film in the reunion i feel like a lot of people understood maddie morphosis understood we're gonna get into it but she understood that it's a tv show right and it's like yeah. okay we're gonna have our moment in untucked so i can't wait to see would it be All-Stars 8 or 9 or 10 when they're we'll find back? Out. Well, us. the only drag news of the week is kind of old news because we discussed it last week, but we'll all discuss it with you because it's just so much fun to talk about. All-Star 7, all winners. All winners. This Who is, is your cool. favorite from the group? Just give me one name. You can't, don't, don't, don't. We will wobble. Give me one name. No, I, I am solidly Teen Monet solo win edition i think that monet is a very a very strong competitor she has always understood who she is even though maybe her outfits or the craftsmanship of her outfits have not been to the standard that michelle visage expects them to be Um, but i think she's fabulous she's funny i wouldn't be surprised to see if Jinx wins it. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, Yeah, right. I wouldn't be surprised if I mean, even I mean, oof, there's so many good people, but I think Jinx and mm, maybe Shay. I see Shay being a two-time winner. I feel like those three people to me are like my top three and then monet is my winner pick for all winners 
Yeah. No matter what, it's going to be an exciting season. I'm excited to talk about it. We'll get to do the show eventually. Um, I got a lot of things going on in my panel. I have a lot of things going on, but we're going to get to it. We're going to, we're going to discuss it soon, listeners. But for yeah. now, we, we got to get through 14. We have to, we're almost there. We're finally oh. at the end. Yes, there is a light at the end of this tunnel. There really is. Um, so we are live from the stage at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas because hashtag free venue. <laughs> Absolutely. They're like, we have space between tech and the show. Can we just come film something? Exactly. The lights are on already. <laughs> now, of course, the queens have to wear their reunion vest. So we're going to toot and boot the looks now. We're going to just get it over with. We are going to start off with June Jambalaya, look by Wallon Fashion Group, jewels by Need for Bling, hair by Lorenzo Devante, nails by Girl Meets Glam. Finally, she is wearing something attractive, and yet it's still completely ugly. For some reason, I'm seeing All-Star 6 jiggly in the mug and hair. Uh, the orange is a great rich color, but I do not love all that silver. I'm not sure the material is, but it didn't do anything to elevate the look. That being said, her nails are long, and that bling bling ring is really the highlight of her hand. What did you think? I love this uh, bedazzled creamsicle moment that she's given us. Her makeup looks gorgeous. She is both really soft and really beat. Um, yeah. I I really enjoy this. I, it really, to me, it gave me like a glammed up creamsicle. As I said, um, I enjoyed uh, the color and the contrast with her beautiful skin. I think this is a toot. I'll give it a toot also. Still not my favorite, but it's a toot. The audience, 71% toot, 29% boot. Next nice. up, Alyssa Hunter. Look by Javier Arnaldo. Hair by Luova Wigs. Uh, this is not what I expected from Alyssa, but let's be real. All her amazing stuff made it um, onto Instagram because it didn't get on the show. But she is giving me pastel Lisa Frank 90s troll redux. I think the garment itself is cute. I like the colors. Not sure the boots are for me because tie-dye pastel looks kind of cheap. But that mug, bitch, she can paint. She is gorgeous in her mm -hmm. nails and her hair. She knows how to uh, style herself. She has a really yeah. good sense of style. The garment is very well done. I personally don't like it. But it yeah. is a, it's a, I mean, it's not for me. It's not the tea. Um, I will give her a soft boot because it's gorgeous. I just don't like it. All right. Well, the audience, they really liked it. 84% to 16% boot. Mm -hmm. This actually, when I saw this, this reminded me straight away of Aja's. Um, yeah. It's her color ball. palette. Yeah. It's the same color palette. And it, it, it even like looking at her face, I'm like, ah, ah, Aja? Oh, no. Yeah. It's really pretty in uh, the, the color palette, but the outfit. You have to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. All right, Cornbread, look by Michael Brambilla, hair by Wigs by Cross, nails by Nailed by Joseph. Um, she did that. Not, she not only recreated Willow's infamous entrance look, but she paid homage to her moment with her ankle. I love the little peekaboo midriff. Uh, the proportions are finally right. The hair is large and in charge. And yes, those are Crocs. She is wearing Croc heels. Do with that information as you please. I uh, love the preference. It's very clear to me that her connection with Willow Pill is beyond superficial. Uh, they have a very deep connection. 
and on social media she understands how to communicate uh branding uh so yeah when i saw this i could not stop laughing for a good five yeah. minutes uh this is a complete toot what do you think absolutely it's a two and the audience agrees 96 percent toot four percent boot Ooh. all right next up orion story no designers listed I think we just have to allow Orion to live in her own fantasy world where her Mary Jane makes her feel like she's the coolest girl in the world. Uh, the pantsuit was not fit well. If it is a reference or a callback to the 80s or something, the hair destroyed it. I think the orange to pink rooted hair was not pretty and honestly looked like it just came out of a bag. She is going to be that girl we all forget by the end of the season. Um, I didn't like this much. Um, it... Uh comparatively to all other people and you know everybody showed out you know yep. and this this felt really safe it felt uh perhaps like i don't know and i am <laughs> i'm making all this up i don't have any insider info to me it felt like the outfit she had planned fell through and mm -hmm. she had this really cute alternate and she just wore it yeah i don't know I mean, it's funny that she'll come for someone later on about off the rack, and this literally looks like it was off the rack. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I for I, me, I, this is a boot. Yes, this is a boot. I'm so sorry. Audience, audience agrees. Twenty four percent toot, seventy six percent boot. Next up, Maddie Morphosis, hair by wigs X. We will discuss her a lot and how she might have been the unofficial winner of this episode. But I like this look. It's elevated from anything else she's worn. Her makeup has improved. I love sexy denim. I wish the mullet trend would die, but this mullet was trailer park realness and was styled quite well. Yes, come on, Bruiser. Give it up for Wigs X here uh, from Boston. Very, very. Oh, yeah. You made it on TV, honey. Um, yeah, I also don't uh, gravitate towards this look. Uh, it is very well put together. Uh, I understand who she wants to be. Mm -hmm. And I mean, yeah, it's a fine look. I will toot this. What did the audience I will too. It's a safe toot. Mm -hmm. The audience, 68% toot, 32% boot. Carrie Colby. No designers listed. Uh, she could wear a potato sack and still look fucking hot. I love this bronze on her. It looks sensational with her flawless skin and that blonde with those dark highlights. She was just sensational. She's just going to be a supermodel of the world. She is a G-O-R-G. -G, gorgeous. Uh, she knows who she is uh, and she radiates that beauty from within. Uh, no notes. An absolute toot. I agree. It's toot. The audience, 93% toot, 7% boot. Jasmine Kennedy, hair by Double D Wigs, look by Rocart Design, tool piece by Casey Slater. I want to start with her makeup. I know she's been playing around with it a lot, but using her natural brow really paints her as angry. Uh, and we're going to see a lot of that this episode. Um, and also being dark compared to the orange hair was throwing me off. The garment is fine. I don't love the tool train. The hair was expensive just to show that it was expensive. It was a fine garment. It was Everything looked good. But if we're going to talk taste, not for me. Um, there is a lot of bare skin. I feel mm -hmm. like uh, if you have this cut, 
uh, of dress where you're showing basically all of your shoulders and the upper part of uh, your, uh, what is this, uh, chest area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you need like big earrings. You need something there. I feel like there was, that was missing to me. Uh, this reminded me of that fish from Shark Tale a little <laughs> bit. Uh, yeah. which, you know, give me a little life because we love Shark Tale. Yeah. Um, it's not bootable. I'll toot it. I agree. You know, and and it's, yeah, it's, uh, again, it's safe. It's safe. I agree. Give me more. Give me more earrings. Give me more bling, especially because you're literally going to be sitting there. You know that you're not going to be lip syncing in this episode. Mm -hmm. be, you know, so maybe she knew she was going to fight. <laughs> so she didn't, she didn't that, wear that's the tea. Um, yeah, I agree. It's not bootable. It's a two. The audience really liked it, though. They were 82% to 18% boot. Deja hmm. Sky, hair by Ghastly Wigs, look by Gia's for Godoy. Uh, clearly, she is not listening to this podcast because whatever this was was simply atrocious. The Tiffany blue was an excellent choice. Why we went with the yellow and pink shoulder piece is beyond me. The cage corset was just hideous. Money just cannot buy taste. I think the hair was great. I just wish she had something better on so we could celebrate the look. Yeah, I think it was Bob or Monet who said that it looked like she had lost a significant amount of weight. Because I feel like her her outfits look like she made like it, she makes a lot of her clothes. She's a seamstress, right. right? Right. But to me, they all look very baggy. And this too, it feels like that corset. Uh, or the illusion of a corset, because I don't know if there is a corset. I'm like, that does not look right. Um, it's just proportion-wise. Um, I mean, the collar story, uh, I mean, it's 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 a pretty collar story. Uh, the orange, it's a really nice pop of color. I wish it was more neon rather than tangerine. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's not tootable. I can't watch us do this. I'm it's so a boot. Sorry, this is a boot. It's a boot. And the audience agrees. 19% to 81% boot. <gasps> no. no. They hated it. <laughs> no. Uh, Georges, look by Alejandro Gomez, hair by Gorek Elder. Look at my little baby pocket twink looking so sexy in leather. I love this aesthetic. It's very classic, yet country retro, and she looked so sexy. And this is one of those rare moments where I'm not demanding a necklace because the bust is the highlight here. The hat is cute. She is my little rodeo queen. I agree. Uh, she looks phenomenal. This did not need any additional accessorizing. Mm -mm. It would detract from the look. Um... Yeah, she looks amazing. And when um, it's her solo shot, um, she looks like she's a good like six feet tall. And we know that yeah. that's not that's not her reality. Maybe her fantasy, but not her reality. She looks great. I would go ahead and toot this. Yep, I will too. Audience, 85% toot, 15% boot. All right, let's talk about our five finalists, starting with Angeria Paris Van Michaels. Look by Unique Creations, Hair by Edward Scissorhands, Jewels by Elias Closet, Nails by Suddenly Sweet Nails, Foxtail by Seymour Chilton. If this was a pageant, she won Evening Gown. The purple is 
absolutely stunning. The first soul is fucking divine. She is painted for the back of the theater and the hair. I usually do not love stones that make it look like you got crazy eyes in your buns, but she makes it sparkle. And this, this is why you usually wear a necklace. That is a statement piece. Amen. All season. Amen. I love this look. I think she has taste and she's able to execute it. Uh, she knows the right people. Um, I I appreciate that she has a whole team behind her and that mm-hmm. everybody in her team, she's able to effectively communicate with every single person that is working on this look with her into making sure that everything fits and everything works. And this is uh, an amazing collaborative effort. I will absolutely do this. She looks incredible. I love the hair. I agree. It is 93% to 7% boot. Next up is Bosco, no designers listed. Um, not really sure the story she's trying to sell here. It's punk, but also looks like she's got the inflatables that she uh, got at a bar mitzvah. Um, the red spike <laughs> mohawk is grunge light. While it's not a bra, she's still got panties on. I want more from her. I really do. Bosco is my favorite Digimon tonight. <laughs> I think that she looks uh, fun. Um, uh, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand a lot of it, um, but I enjoy it. I think it's very memorable. Um, it's really cool. Uh, again, like I am trying to figure out like, what are the references that she's trying to do here? Uh, the chain looks really cool, but why do you have a bone? That's a bone, right? right? That is a bone. That is a bone. I don't know. Um, this is really cool. It's really out there. I will toot this. I'm going to boot it. It's not for me. Um, but the audience went with you. They were 68% toot, 32% boot. Oh, but that's really close compared to the yeah. uh, compared to 18% toot, percent boot for Ms. Deja. <laughs> well, next up, we got Diabetti. Uh, look by Mondo Guerra, hair by Hella Wigs. She looked like a radiant goddess. The gold was an exquisite color. The cat suit was so detailed, half stone, half that cape thing. It was so impressive. Her hair, it worked so beautifully with the look. Again, best she's looked all season. I agree. Best she's looked all season. Uh, you covered it nicely. Uh, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed how she modeled it on her half a second she had to model it yep. um really cool i would wear this i want this <laughs> it's really in that in gold or you want a different color um uh gold is cute i enjoy gold uh i, I mean i'll take it as is <laughs> hey i'm here send it to me it's a toot for me i really liked it yeah i will toot this as well thank you audience 71% toot 29% boot Lady Camden, no designers listed. Uh, this is Dark Lady Realness. Not sure it's my favorite. I don't love her in black hair, but if you're going for that snow white realness, she is serving you with the black hair, snow white skin, and that bold red lip. Love the headpiece, though we had one last week, so maybe it's the same one. I don't know. And she's showing leg, which is exceptional. I don't know if you noticed, but that muscle tone, I sure did. That uh-huh. was hot. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah, Lady Cam. I'm now I'm looking at the legs. I'm like, 
Oh yeah, yeah, baby. Mm. Um, I really like this look. Um, I did not clock two headpieces two weeks in a row, so I'll have to go back and double check on that. Um, I really enjoy her. I think that she, her eyebrows. Yeah. I kept looking at those eyebrows. Those are my favorite type of eyebrows. Um, I used to have those eyebrows a couple years ago. And Where'd I- they go? Um, well, I started doing the no brow look and I really enjoy it just to like have that um, brow mm-hmm. highlight, but no brow. Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's my aesthetic now. But no, the brows were everything. I kept telling, I was watching this with MT the other night, uh, MT Heart, a local king. And I kept telling MT, I'm like, those brows, so, so good. Two, yeah, just yeah. for the brows. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I will give it a two. Again, not my favorite, but the audience liked it. 79% two, 21% boop. And finally, Willow Pill, look by Vanda LaRose, hair by Alexis Bevels. I get the Fran Drescher nanny reference. I don't love the execution. The purple pump was super cute. I hate synthetic pink hair because it screams artificial in all the wrong ways. It's campy, but I prefer when Willow serves whimsy. I don't like this. I didn't know it was a reference to something. Um, Yeah, yeah, I never watched. That was from the nanny, right? Correct. Yeah, I never watched that. Um... I didn't like it. Uh, I didn't understand it. I thought, I think that this is a really cute dress for a walk around, but for Got the it. Union, maybe I not. I will sadly have to boot this. I'm going to give it the safest of the toots tonight. And the audience, very mixed here 56% toot, 44% boot. Oh, wow. That's even closer. Was that the yeah. closest of the night? It was. It sure was. Wow, well, cool, Willow. We are reminded that we in one week, our fire first final five will be competing for the crown right there in Las Vegas. Have you ever been to Vegas? I want to go back. I loved it. I have never been to Vegas. The closest I've ever been to Vegas was a trip that I took to Colorado um, oh, last, last summer. I know, but I've never been. Where would it's you want to go place. Um, Well, I, last time I stayed at the Paris, um, great hotel, a lovely pool. You can see the fake Eiffel Tower. Um, I would love, like, I, I want to have, like, a, a Mo trip, like, you know, a homo trip and go to, like, the Cosmopolitan, have one of those fancy rooms and really just fuck it up. Like, everything that stay, happens in Vegas will stay in Vegas. I want that kind of trip. I would love to go to Vegas, but also through a time machine because I wish I had seen Celine Dion in Vegas. That's fair. You know? mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah that's going to be my fan- final answer. Ding, ding. All right. Well, Ruth starts off uh, by saying that the cast was so lovable that she didn't want to send anyone home. At least she's <laughs> reading the comments. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, we're going to get a montage of the talent show, some of the maxi challenge, all those meme-worthy moments, including that horrid snatch game and the tears and cheers from start to finish. But our first set of questions discusses what it's been like becoming international sensations. Carrie says it's been amazing as she's been able to touch the hearts and souls of so many little trangels, and she's got to sell, got cel- celebrities in her DMs as well as opening for JLo. And according to Georges, it's one of the biggest things she could ever do as she does JLo all the time. Now, Deja tries out a joke saying that she can't go to a porn store without being recognized, which begs the question, do people still go to porn stores? (laughs) Funnily, yes. 
So there is a porn store here in Massachusetts that I drive by quite often. And I did not understand how in 2022 do they still have those open? Like with the um, uh, with the vast uh, amounts of porn that you can get, you know, right. on a click away. But then I did some investigating and I realized that is the glory holes that they have in the back. Oh, oh. Mm. So now that, listen i know they're that's going. probably it but like i know that there are like more i i don't want to really say this but more upscale style sex shops which which you can get like designer things and and nice pretty harnesses and all like that i understand but a porn store where you know what's going on in there and you know it has not been cleaned in 30 years i don't think we need those anymore but if that's yeah. where Deja is, I understand her taste now. Yeah, I <laughs> I think they're busy cleaning something else, honey. Yeah. Well, Orion will share that people will say hi and that she has to think if she knows them and forgets that she's been on TV, to which Lady Camden gets the first dig in and says, yeah, Kelly Mental, is that you? <laughs> it was really funny. All right, well, we're going to get a reminder of the chocolate bar twist with a montage of all the queens saying it's chocolate in unison. And then, of course, Bosco revealing the gold bar. June is reminded that she became a mean queen with the first it's chocolate. She finds it with the TikToks and the memes. They're funny, but she just wishes she wasn't wearing that pussycat wig. She'll be remembered forever for the pussycat Aww, wig. Nobody remembers the wig. Everybody remembers the chocolate, honey. Oh, no, I remember the wig. I remember that <laughs> face, too. <laughs> it was so iconic and so those are the things that you can't so this has been my advice to any people that i've known that has gone to a tv show is that the moment you're back you gotta work on your merch you have to have it ready you know the day yep. that you know but i i don't i don't know if anybody predicted the meme ability of its chocolate no, so no um i really i really want to say thank you to june for that iconic moment we'll never forget yeah well i i think i'm sure it's chocolate is probably owned by rupaul and, and drag race so she couldn't even use it as her own merch uh, but you said that people going on tv shows have to come back with um merch in mind um did the the, the queens who appeared on judge jerry come back with merch <laughs> uh not for being um uh, at uh judge jerry however uh patty beret uh has a very beautiful set of custom tie-dye shirts mm -hmm. um, you own one i do i got one for myself and one for my roommate peyton and mm -hmm. <laughs> and he didn't like his because his was mainly orange and yellow and he wanted purple and green. So Peyton, uh, I'm, I'm going to try to get you another one, but the red color combo. But yeah, super pretty. Go follow her at Patty yeah. Gray. I think and also, if you have not watched that clip, I know it's very much probably staged, but it was fucking hilarious. It is so funny. And then the other one with Severity Stone and Coleslaw, hilarious as well. Drag queens getting along, never. Right. Never. Well, Bosco shares that it was an incredible moment to open the gold candy bar as she was scream laughing for about 30 minutes before being ushered off the stage. And Georgia submits that she was like, damn it. And she thought she sent Miss Thing to the house. 
Yeah, um, I'm glad this was all we talked about the the chocolate bar because we do not need to talk about it ever again. We're done. It was a bad twist. It was a bad twist. I hope it doesn't come back. But now we have the new House of Love drinks for which the next season I heard that uh, the queens will be allowed to choose a drink and whoever has the golden drink will get to stay. Hilarious. Well, we're going to discuss House of Love shortly, but the other shocking twist in the season was when Cornbread sent a tape message saying she had to leave the competition. Watching that moment, she says it was crushing, but she settled, and she does believe Snatch Game would have been better had she been there. What do you think she would have done? Um, I don't know. I've not thought about. I've not thought of this. Um, Cornbread, I see her doing somebody maybe like Megan The Stallion or Lizzo. Um, I don't know. She. I, but I also think she wouldn't go for that kind of maybe sort of like obvious uh, mm-hmm. reference. I don't know. She would bring us some, um, I don't know, some fuckery I've never seen before. <laughs> Possible. Well, we're going to transition into Cornbread's backstory this season as we are reminded of her family troubles where she was not accepted. It's kind of heartbreaking to rewatch for sure, but she shares that her relationship has drastically changed as her family had to watch it without a rebuttal for what she had to say. She went home to South Carolina and her entire family showed up to her gig. They had a cookout and that photo was priceless. Oh my God. That was a huge family. It was a huge, yeah, a lot of people. I love it. It's really touching when they get to share things like this. Yeah. Progress is important. Watching this. Yeah, it was, it was hard to watch. It was, it was definitely emotional. Um, but yeah, family is important. And as long as you can have those conversations, whether it takes a TV show or it takes just your, just your gut to say, we need to have a talk. It's important. Family, family first and always. It is. It is. And um, as much as I, as much as I hate to admit RuPaul, it is. Uh, RuPaul is right. Uh, RuPaul's Drag Race still bringing families together. Room. Wow. It's time for the drama of the season. We are going to get our first installment of Clash of the Queens. We're <laughs> going to relive the battle between Jasmine and Cornbread. Now, Cornbread claims that she was not going to say anything, but Jasmine opened up the invitation. She reveals that all the girls would have had would have conversations about it, but none with Jasmine. And as Cornbread is talking in the reunion, Jasmine literally cuts her off again. But as she says, she's still learning. We'll follow up with them in 10 years to see if she's still um, learning. But Cornbread believes that a lot of people get on the show and feel like they have to edit what they have to say because they're afraid of what the world will think. That's not how she does it. So Rue's going to ask if anyone else felt the same way. And Angeria says the first couple of weeks she was at a 110 and they were all like, what's going on with Jasmine? So does anyone think that Cornbread went too far? And it's actually June who says she's known her for nine years, but when she feels something, she will give it to you. And she says it was needed, but it was just so direct. Now Alyssa chimes in and says that when they were working in the teams, Cornbread went into Jasmine and Cornbread says that she could have approached it differently. They all learned from a situation and Jasmine taught her just as much as she taught Jasmine. Jasmine says if it had not been for the conversation with Cornbread, how she handled herself the rest of the season would have not happened. But more on that later. Now, <laughs> Camden said she is proud of the attitude when uh, with a positive after the situation. She was a resilient cockroach. 
But Jasmine will get the last word here. This is her moment. The chapter is closed. Let's get on to the next fight. Um, I'm glad we started with this one. It was a good transition from going to Cornbread's personal life into this uh, because that really was the Cornbread segment. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, um, how do you feel about this whole situation? Um, It shows that despite being uh, the person that could not shut up as uh, Carrie called her Miss Mouth Almighty, (laughs) it also shows that she was able to listen. And I'm really proud, um, really proud of Jasmine. Um, I think when she said that the season would have not turned out um, the way it did, like that level of self-awareness and gratitude uh, to me, it speaks volumes of who she is. Um, so this was a really good bookend to this uh, storyline. And um, yeah, it would be really interesting to see in 10 years how Jasmine is doing. So Absolutely. I mean, she's young. She's really but young still. Yeah, maybe she'll be competing in All-Stars 20. There it uh, is. Winners of winners versus winners. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a really um, great conversation to have. Obviously, um, I know I felt at the time that maybe Cornbread was a little too direct. It was um, perhaps not the way to approach it, but it was a teaching moment and it did lead to some good drama. It did. Now, before we get to the commercial, we will have the official television launch of the new Cocktails and Mocktails House of Love. Will you be purchasing a party pack? I will absolutely be purchasing the party pack. All right, we're not on anymore, right? I am not going to purchase one. Uh, (laughs) Honey, I went to that website and I'm like, you know, as much as I would love to give RuPaul even more of my money, I'm like, honey, these feel a little pricey for- Listen, Yeah. I, I will taste test it on the podcast. Send me a pack. I'll send it to my panel. I will taste test it. I will do whatever y'all want me to do with it, but I'm not buying it. That being said, should someone on this podcast go to LA this next month and and they're there, perhaps I'll purchase one. Yeah. I'm not buying a whole party pack. Yeah, maybe, okay, maybe if they, like, if they're at the club, you know, like, I would... I would get one to try it if they're at the club, but I don't know. No, you know, they are going to go to every gay bar and say, buy it or you can't do a viewing party. (laughs) Hey, that's a monopoly. I love it. Yeah. All right. Let us get ready for more Clash of the Queens. And this is the big one. It is Jasmine Kennedy versus Diabetti. We get a reminder of the season-long battle between the queens, from the smack talk to the no offense of it all. And I gotta say, all the reactions of them watching this was priceless. Daya says she was unfiltered, and she says she doesn't regret anything she said or done. She firmly believes in speaking up for how you feel. Watching it back, she learned it's not what you say, but how you say it. She's going to double down and states that Jasmine said things at the wrong time, like when they were preparing for a challenge or when they were just really stressed out about something. She chimed in when she knew it was her sweet spot to do so. Rue's going to ask Jasmine if she has anything to say, and she says she hopes there's enough time. She <laughs> says that Daya dragged her for nine weeks straight, and instead of coming to her for her drag, she came at her with who she is as a person. And Jasmine will be bringing up that she was called an energy vampire, to which Daya says, it's true. 
And then Jasmine says, well, you were looking in the mirror because vampires can't see their reflection. How long has she been working on that comeback and why was it so terrible? (laughs) Oh, yeah, this is, uh, I feel you. It felt uh, workshopped. Yeah. to me, yeah, I agree. I also had a ball looking at their reactions and seeing them uh, cackle and also not so cackle at some points. Um, and I appreciate how real Daya is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think of Daya's sincerity? I believe it. I, I really do. And I think as we continue this conversation, uh, we're going to see her really get broken down. Um, and I don't think it's because she isn't genuine. It's because she, this is real life. Th- these are real emotions she's going through. Um, Daya says that Jasmine give it back to her, but she, she believes it was Jasmine believes it was in a respectful way. Um, so we're going to see how the other queens felt about it. And Georgia says it felt like Daya didn't respect them at all. And Daya says that it may have felt personal. She understands how they felt that way, but she tries to do a school analogy here. But Georgia's is a dropout, so she didn't got none of that. <laughs> he continues that if you bomb the science test it doesn't mean that you're not smart it means you weren't fitting that goal or, or objective orion will state that that's dia's opinion but she'll retort that it was the judge's opinion too i thought the whole georgia's um moment was great timing because we needed a, a moment of levity because it was getting very dark very quickly um but yeah georgia's maybe we need to get her a ged maybe she has to go and judge jerry yeah we, we, we need some help here. Now, Jasmine says that Daya felt that she could voice for everyone when they didn't even ask for her opinion. And Daya will say that that's just how she felt. She wasn't the voice. Alyssa's going to straight up just say that Daya's a bitch. Even though she was on the show 48 hours, though, June says she knows Daya and she's genuinely a good person. But in the competition setting, everyone handles stress differently. She went in unfiltered. She believes that if she said something, it wasn't personal. It was what she was seeing and voicing. Was it right? No, but that's just how she handled the competition and pressure. This is where we're going to see Daya start crying as she's hearing everyone, um, including them, say she's not a bad person, but she mm-hmm. is not the person. She feels like everyone has a terrible opinion of her. She just had her eyes on the prize, and unlike Kennedy Davenport, who only had one eye on that prize. <laughs> yeah, because the other one was on the crown. Mm-hmm. Um uh, to me, the funniest thing of this whole segment is the random ass message, or not message, the two seconds that they gave Eliza Hunter to say, Diabetti, you are a bitch. Yep. <laughs> no, <laughs> out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like, with I don't no- think it was meant to be no. negative, but that's just, it's Spanish humor. It, it, she just, the way she said it sounded like it was an insult, but it, I don't think it was. She was just stating yeah, facts. But we will not know because they did not air it. I mean, I'm pretty sure she said more things, you know, because absolutely it, right. So they, oh, they, fully. They pick and choose, right? To whoever it's not aware of. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, they pick and choose what to put on. So to me, the, the, the editing or, or the storyline choice, choice of, of giving this two seconds of airtime to <laughs> Alyssa Hunter right there was really funny. Um, but I get it. Sometimes it, it really sucks that people's perception of you doesn't align to who you are. Right. And you need moments like this to put it all out on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
to really get to a moment of understanding, which we'll talk in a minute. Well, Maddie will say that Daya was saying what they were all thinking, even if it was stuff that was whispered off camera. Everyone was being shady, and she calls out Jasmine for saying shady things in her confessional, but Jasmine says that was her opinion, and that's fair. So if it was Daya's opinion, and that's fair too. She feels like people are just gassing up the moment. Now, Jasmine is going to bring things to off the show and claim that Daya hasn't spoken to her since filming. And now Jasmine is literally out of her chair. Daya is going to say this is all bullshit and Jasmine will change her tune and say she talked to her one time and says she called her right before the Roscoe's gig as she was feeling some type of way. She accuses her of not talking to her as a person. And Jasmine says she doesn't know anything about Daya, so they're not sisters in the sense they kiki like everybody else. She believes that it's bullshit that she still hasn't taken accountability for anything she said. And cue the photo of Cornbread with those big old eyes. <laughs> um, this was Ooh, a lot. This was, was a lot. It was a lot. Now, Daya's going to ask how she should take accountability as she has acknowledged that what she said was hateful and rude and she could have said it better. And Jasmine says she did it on once the camera was on. Daya says she said it in a text message and she reached out to her before the gig and Jasmine didn't answer and then tells her to sit down. And it's going to take Miss Kara Colby to bring everyone down. She says accountability is important. Mistakes happen. Stress is real. Competition is real. Anxiety is real. Mm-hmm. She wants to address how Daya has gotten landslidedly, which is a new word invented by Carrie Colby, the most unfair hate in terms of death threats and wishing her unwell. She says there are character flaws and she is shady, but they all have been there. She says you have to cut her slack as she did show redemption and that she cared. And if y'all have a problem with it, the proof is in the pudding. I like this. I, I think this is an important moment. Again, I'm sure there was a lot more before we got here. Um, but Daya but says she Colby, loves you. Come yeah. on. Carrie yeah. Colby. Come on, Carrie. Always being, not always, but I feel like once more being uh, the person who really brings it all together. And it's true. Yeah. It's like acknowledging that both of them. Both of them were living their truths at the time. And, mm-hmm. you know, you just got to listen to each other a little bit better. Yeah. Well, Daya loves drag and she is sorry for the way she said things. She tells Georges that she adores her and tells Jasmine the more she watches her on TV, the more she realizes she's just an older version of her, but prettier. No offense. And that was the entire segment because that was the entire drama of the season. Is it refreshing to see drama on a show like this since we um, are watching reality TV? Um, uh, uh, you cannot have, uh, you cannot commission 16 episodes in a season and not have drama, especially with people who are put in circumstances where they don't have the support systems that they are used to. Like they, they are sequestered, uh, on top of a quarantine. Uh, some of them, you know, it's, uh, it's really stressful. This is something that some of these folks have dreamed because the show has been on for so long, this is something that they must have dreamed since they were little kids, some of them, you know? Exactly. This is is a very high-stress, high-stakes situation in which drama will happen. And it is a reality show, right? So they will show this type of drama. And I think it is our job as uh, people who are watching this um, to be kind and mindful when we go on social media and remember that these are not 
Um, this is not an accurate reflection of who they are as people. These are, you know, they are playing characters of themselves. Um, and it's a reality show. And we will see how they're edited on the next time. True. All right. Well, we're going to move to the all tea, all trade section where we're going to get a look at the trade of the season. Alyssa Hunter. She is hot. <laughs> Damn, as Cornbread says. Uh, she is a very handsome Latin man. Uh, she does not mind being the trade of the season. She says it's a compliment and she is waiting for her check. And I said, check your DMs because I'm sure some people are going to send you some money for certain yep. things, girl. She tells Rue that she is that it is talent to be trade, and America agrees, and they have some questions for her, like, are you in a relationship? How do you meet people? What's your type? When are when you cuddle? Are you the big spoon or the little spoon? That was from Angeria and probably me as well. But she reveals that she is single, and Cornbread says, cut the bullshit! They just want to know how big it is, as oh. they've all been bird watching. She <laughs> says she's from Puerto Rico, so... I don't know what that means. Yeah. What does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, you know what it means. But the million dollar question is, are you a big spoon or a little spoon? I guarantee you she's verse, but with me, she'll be a little spoon. Ooh. Are you a big spoon? Oh, absolutely. Ooh. The biggest. We mm -hmm. love big spoon. We love it. Now, speaking of love, on episode one, we saw there was a little showmance brewing between Lady Camden and Angeria. They even got to kiss on camera. So what drew Angeria to Lady Camden? She says with the accent as she is the first person she's ever met from the UK. And to hear it in person, her toes curled up. And for Camden, she found Angeria special because she was the first person to make her feel relaxed and special. And everything she says makes her crack up, which means Angeria gave her false hope going into Snatch Game because Angeria laughs at everything she said. <laughs> now the fans have apparently dubbed them Camgeria and Ariana Grande will host their wedding um, as she apparently slid into Angeria's DMs to tell them how cute they were. So what does the future hold for them? They're excited to spend time together and Angeria loves drag queens, but she is not opposed to it. We didn't really get a lot out of this relationship in the terms of like how we got um, um, Brangie. Right. Um, I didn't even remember this was a storyline this season. Right. It was episode one, and then we saw like their friendship, but I didn't I didn't think it was anything more than that. No. Uh and apparently there was another thing brewing in the mm. shadows as we learned right afterwards, right? Right. So we're gonna learn about another showmance that was brewing off camera. Georges had a secret crush on Orion. And Georges says, when you're secluded in a way, all you have is your sisters. And she saw the mullet out of dragon. She was like, okay. Everyone seemed to know about it, and Cornbread reveals that when they were riding the van back to the hotel, she was sitting next to Orion, and George was in front of her, and they were trying to slip their hands through the crack of the seat, and she saw Bruin. Georgia says that it was just fun, nothing crazy. They hugged, cuddled, and hold hands. No lips were touched. But Orion says it was short-lived. She loves Georgia, even if she doesn't respond to her text messages. And then I said that she doesn't respond to anybody's message. Everybody right. went over and was like, she doesn't respond to mine either. Now, Angeria <laughs> says it would be easier to get in touch with the president than George's. Um, it's because she's booked and blessed. That being said, it's probably true. Um, I did DM uh, George's yesterday after I posted um, her drinking uh, the House of Love boo booze. Um, she saw it, but she didn't respond to my text. But it's See, it's so hard to get in touch with George's. Um, I, I was I, actually literally asking her I was like I'm going to be a drag con can we do an interview please <laughs> and she's like paid you dust oh my god 
Come on, Georges. No, I um I really enjoy hearing this part of um that's part of you know, the reality of recording this, right? Because there will there there will be times in which you find love in the what you find love in a hopeless place, right? Mm-hmm. Um did you have any showmances during Drag Gauntlet? Oh, <laughs> no, no, I think it's different because we were also not sequestered. Candidate, fair, fair. Not... <laughs> who would it have been with? Who, who, who was your um secret drag gauntlet um crush? My secret crush for my season, so um, all of them were pretty hot. If I think like Harley Queen, really hot. Um, Poison Envy, uh, you can you should follow there uh, if you're 18 and over. You should follow their Triple uh, X Twitter, uh, Yeehaw Twink One. Uh, really, really cute. So oh, hot. Po- Poison knows how much I have a crush on her. She she she's fully aware of that one. Mm-hmm. And then um, the other person got to the finale. We don't talk about them. Bruno? Uh, oh, huh? Bruno? So we don't talk about them. Oh, Bruno. Yes. Bruno. Yes. Bruno. Wow. I did not get that. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. No, it's, it's, it's the Oscars um, burnout. I'm like done with, done with <laughs> the Oscars movies. I just watched Encanto with my mom the other night and I think she liked it, but I, I wasn't sure. I was having a great time. I was very high. Um, oh. I love that movie. It's so fun. Do you watch the regular version or the sing-along version? Oh, the regular one. She it was her first time, so I had to like let her enjoy him. Yeah, you could not be the diva of that show, right? No. Now, showmances come and go, but friendships are forever. Uh, we're gonna see the bond between Cornbread and Willow. Oh, they were so close that Cornbread got Willow tattooed on her leg. She says her relationship with Willow was the most meaningful, meaningful relationship she got from the show. And Corbett believes you will find your soulmate outside of a relationship. And I was like, I needed to hear that because I don't know if my soulmate exists. Oh, yeah, I also needed to hear that. I think that, I mean, there are different types of soulmates. Like there, there are romantic soulmates, there are sexual soulmates, there are platonic soulmates. I think they yeah. also use that word. And I mean, you can you can't be best friends with your soulmate. Mm-hmm. And now Willow loves. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> yeah, Willow loves being a permanent part of Cornbread, and she jokes that she's going to get her broken ankle on her ass. Now, <laughs> speaking of tramp stamps, uh, Michelle Visage is apparently on Rue's ass. Um, but Rue says it's like the judging table. She knows she's there, but she doesn't have to look at her. <clears throat> Funny. All right. She caused a sensation. It is time to discuss the show's first straight queen, Maddie Morphosis. She knew that there was going to be some negativity and pushback going on to the show, but she didn't expect the polarizing levels. She would say they supported it, while others said that it was the worst thing to happen in drag history. Andrea was behind Maddie because she believes all kinds of expression when it comes to drag and art, and seeing Maddie was inspiring to her. She had never heard of it before, and she was still confused when she first heard of it. Alyssa says that she has to support her as she is an artist, and they are here to make a difference in the world. Rue's going to ask Maddie what she hopes to share from this experience. And she says she had people in her inbox say that she is going to inspire other straight people who want to do drag, but that's not been her narrative. She thinks not everyone should do drag as drag is rooted in queer culture and history. And if you were remotely homophobic, then you have to work on yourself first. She is just the crack of a dam. 
I think it's important that we had a segment for Maddie um, where we discuss the real stuff, but everything else that Maddie did on this episode, we still have more to talk about with her. She was hilarious. She is very witty. Very witty. She really won me over. Um, I was skeptical. um, And then uh, she started to win me over uh, during the season. But hearing her talk about this um, and knowing that she put a lot of thought and she chose her words beautifully and like she understood what she was talking about um especially coming into this again high stress situation in which rupaul is asking you a question and like if rupaul asks me i'm gonna be like yes you know right uh so to be able to share this educational moment that still felt very heartfelt and real um yeah really great on metamorphosis um I wish she'd come to Boston. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about the segue here. We're well, going to call Maddie the drama queen because we have another edition of Clash of the Queens. Oh, as Maddie battled with, you guessed it, Jasmine Kennedy. <laughs> Maddie couldn't tell you what happened as she was a couple cocktails in, but she thought she was going to go home as she was. So she was just gassing herself up when Jasmine came in saying she wasn't worried about her. She felt like it was disrespectful or was trying to have an untucked moment. So she said, let's have our moment. Carrie says it was so much fun because you had Miss Mouth Almighty and Mr. Straight. So it was going to be something fierce and she was living for it. Maddie does think that Jasmine believed she was being disrespectful toward her. She thought Jasmine was being dismissive of her. They started to fight and it went off the rails, but Jasmine says it was just a lot of miscommunication. She wants to clarify, and honestly, I think she just dug herself into a grave again, that she didn't mean coming from New York as it's the best thing. It's just her postal code. And I was like, are you insulting all of us now? Because we are the best, bitch. (laughs) He says she wasn't looking down at her. She respects her. She also took her phone call when they got home. Willow says that this was the moment she realized she was on RuPaul's Drag Race, and she quotes the fight on a daily basis. I gotta agree. This was the moment where I was like, finally, we're getting an untucked that's actually real and authentic. Um, it took did you a have there, yeah. Did you have a side when this moment was happening? Because I definitely did. I was totally team Maddie here. Um, no, it's been 84 years since I watched this. <laughs> um, I don't really remember watching this first, but I knew. Um, no, no, no. I don't remember who I was siding with at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in hindsight. Why are people saying that Diabetti is the villain of the season when Jasmine Kennedy was involved in every single drama of the season? If you could only Correct. see, if you could only see their smile right now, oh my god! Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely correct. Um, because we're going to get into the next topic, and that's why we're we can't we're not going to be able to paint Jasmine as a villain at all. Because in another untucked moment, we get to relive the moment where Jasmine came out as trans. Oh, trans people can be villains. We've had Gia Gunn. She's opened that door. Uh, Jasmine says this was all prompted from a conversation with Carrie where she felt welcomed and she could finally be herself. We're going to watch her cry and say that it's hard to watch it back. She brings up her dad and he she didn't want it to feel like he that he was going to be brought down by this. She didn't tell him until the day of the episode. Everything has gone where she wanted to go now. She's happy and she is finally feeling okay where she's at. She put herself out there in a way that she never thought she was going to. Carrie is like, another one. Thank you. But in all seriousness, it was a beautiful moment and she felt family and sisterhood was so important 
and they dove into her heart to let it all flow. She, Carrie says when she visits people and cities and um, meets with trans people or parents of trans people, they come up to her and she's able to give them what she wished she had. Mm-hmm. Carrie doesn't get emotional, but she is proud of each one of them. Meaning after season 14 filmed, Bosco, Willow, and Cornbread have come out as trans. It is the most trans-tastic season, baby. Yes, baby. Uh, what a touching, uh, beautiful moment. Except uh, it felt a little shitty to be like, okay, let's 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 see you cry again while Dumb. you see yourself crying, you know. So um, I don't know, uh, but it's a, a very important moment in which you know Jasmine shared her truth, and it's really incredible that um, she is now able to be that thing that she wanted to have to other mm-hmm. folks need it and ultimately that's why we do drag drag is political and uh we can't separate like this um teaching and loving moments from drag that this is why we do it this is why i put on the makeup so yay for jasmine now Bosco says verbalizing it was giving her so much support from the fans they have her back and meeting her where she is It's been super helpful to her. Cornbread shares it was not easy for her. She was afraid to do it on the show as she didn't deal with it with her family first. She couldn't preach about loving herself if she wasn't doing it herself. And Willow says it's been difficult for her. For the longest time, she wasn't letting herself know herself at all. This feels like the final chapter to getting to know her. And they all sit there prouder, happier, and their cheeks more full. They are the sisterhood of the traveling estrogen. (laughs) Yeah, I can also I can't also wait uh, for Carrie Colby to be on All Stars or on whatever against whoever. Um, yeah. We'll see. I don't I don't know if she's going to. I'm I, I I'm not sure Drag Race is her journey. I I well yeah I hear you. Um, I just want to see more of Carrie Colby on a different show. It doesn't matter. Just put Carrie on my TV. Yeah, please. America's Next Top Model. Right, yes. All right, well, it's time for a non-Jasmine clash to the queens as we look back at the battle between Bosco and Lady Camden and the fight for the role of Saltine and Mulan Room. <laughs> I Oof, love that. This they- was not fun to watch back. I thought, I, I love that this qualified as a fight. It did, it was weird. Well, that's Bosco thinks she fought too hard for the role. She says no. She feels like she didn't say anything that was out of line. She wasn't nice about it, and she takes responsibility for being a huge bitch. But drag queens are huge bitches, as we learned about Diabetti earlier. (laughs) She fought for it, but it didn't work out in her favor. Deja says that it felt like Camden was explaining why she was going to be good for the role, while Bosco was saying why she was not going to be good for the role. Bosco knows that she was, in fact, aggressive. Lady Camden says that her feedback she had gotten from the judges was to stand up for herself, and even though she didn't win the fight, it all worked out. We then get to see the two queens get into a fake fight as Bosco yells at her for being such a nice person and Lady Camden yells back that she respects her. (laughs) How funny. (laughs) I can tell how into this you are. Um, Yeah, to me, this was the perfect way of... This was the last clash of the queens they had, right? Correct. Yeah, and they this, had to have one that was not Jasmine because we had to give at least a little time to other people. 
Right. So they have to manufacture a fight. Um, yeah. When I saw this, I, I felt it was really funny. They were obviously in, in the joke. I appreciated it. Right. To me, this this felt like a skit. It felt like the the reunion went very meta on itself. Mm-hmm. Quickly. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're then going to get a recap of the reunion so far from Carrie, the narrator, Colby. Which <laughs> I was <laughs> like, what? So fucking meta. There was screaming and shouting match from a bunch of wildebeests. They move forward in the safari and they have a line of the jungle fight with the shrimps, the lobsters, and the towels. And the rest, and rest, just press rewind on your VH1 remote and you'll get it. Did I miss something? What was this? I don't get it. No. Was she the narrator of the season? Apparently. I know she said weird things, but. Apparently, well, I mean, she she was for the half the season she was on. I guess. Um, I, I would say Bosco I... was the narrator of the season. Um. It's been a long season. <laughs> it really has. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, it's time to relive some of the looks of the season, and we're going to take a look back at the runways and their version of Toot and Boot. And we're going to get to Reeb Toot and Boot, and may- maybe some of my feelings have changed. We're going to find out. First mm-hmm. up is Jasmine Kennedy's Glamazon Prime. Dia says it's a boot. I still say it's a boot. No, yeah, it's a boot. I, it's a boot. Um, I will boot it too compared to well, yeah, no, I really don't like this. Yeah, this is a boot. Deja Sky's shoulder pads and Jerry says absolute toot as it is the best thing she wore all season. And I say I still hate it. It's a boot. Um, I like this. This is a toot. I wouldn't wear this. She looks fucking cool. Bosco's too too much. Willis says toot. We get a shoot from someone in the crowd, but I say toot, and this is gonna be one of the contenders for best look of the year at the end of the year get ready for that in december which feels like it's gonna be kind of closer than you think at this point what did you think of the tutu uh uh too too much uh yeah this is a great look this is uh an obvious toot uh mm-hmm. i really enjoyed this and she had to bring something fresh and unexpected when she yeah. did so good on bosco gorgeous his chaps june says she likes her hair and her lingerie so it's a boot I still say two because that bitch can sell anything. This, these are not chaps, and this is not a toot. Correct. Carrie Colby's a night of a thousand JLOs. Cornbread gives it a toot. Orion comes out of her weed haze and says it's not original. I agree. It's a boot. Carrie says, Did you see a tag on it? And Orion says, When you go to drag race, you got to be unique and says it's off the rack. And I still agree. <laughs> um, Alyssa says it's a two and a boot because she went home that night. I know this is a controversial opinion. I had the controversial take on it when the episode came out. It's not original. It's not hers. It was worn by someone else. How is that even remotely okay? Where do you land on it? So I think this is an obligatory toot. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is... I mean, what? It doesn't get any, it doesn't get any more. So if, if the theme is the night of a thousand JLo's, it doesn't get any closer to JLo than the dress. But not Uh, everyone would be able to fit in JLo's dress. So why do they get an unfair advantage? No, I know. I agree. So Let's say had cornbread come out in a recreation of you know what I mean? I feel right. like I feel like like anyone who would have chosen to do the dress, unless five people had chosen to do the dress, like the kimono gate, 
Um, but like whoever whoever got to do the dress was it was like it, it was gonna be a moment. But it's the, the most fact, famous dress. But the fact that she is not wearing just the dress, but she is wearing the dress. Right. They, uh, yeah. To me, this is an obligatory. Like, and I mean, some people, um, for example, um, oh, what's her name from the House of Hall, Kamora Hall, wearing Bob Mackie. Like, okay, it's a Mackie, you know. But it wasn't worn by a celebrity for the actual challenge. It's repurposed. We'll be debating this for years and years, I'm sure. We will be. Next and finally, June Jambalaya's animal print bridal couture. Maddie says it's the ultimate boot. Not only did it take her out, it almost took her out as well. It's still a boot. It, I thought this was the worst look of the season. It was so shady for them to include this look on, on a Tudem boot. It's like, I understand that you want to give June some airtime because she went home early. There's not much for her to talk about besides chocolate. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a boot. But also, I am booting the way that she chose to present that outfit. Because if she would have come out with a tiny gallon more of confidence, no. then, yeah. Well, now it is time to give out the most prestigious award and no, not Miss Congeniality. That is next week. It is the Golden Boot Award. And to present the award is last year's recipient, Lala Ray, who is literally, literally wearing something from Amazon. Like, go back. The Vivian wore that gold and black thing. And I know that because my friend Seraphim wore that same thing. And I know she got it from Amazon. Um, and this is why I still do not like Lala Ray, and I will not like her. Uh, no one is ever going to force feed me like Lala Ray. Oh, that being Lala said... It's so good. You need to go stream her music. It's so mm -hmm. good. Bad that being food. said, this Golden Boot Award delivered by DoorDash is going to Daddy and Maddie Morphosis. Uh, and we're going to get a hunky pit crew member bringing out the tote bag for Maddie with the award win it, in it. And she's just happy she finally won something. And she's still straight. She didn't get turned on by that guy. <laughs> she said that she's finally an uh, award winning designer. And I'm like, she's not wrong. Right. Um, so I, I thought this look was fine. I, I My theory was after last week's episode that the only reason why she was eliminated is because Rue knew she was going to wear a patchwork dress later in the season. Ah, Rue did not win any competition. Nope. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah. Um, is it really the worst episode, uh, the worst um, outfit this season? Mm. No. I no, so. I don't think it is. Well, there are some questions for the queens, and to deliver those questions is the cast of Drag Race Live. Derek Barry asks a question for Amy from New Hampshire. She wants to know, Cornbread, did you really pay Diabetti $1,000 to eat that dragonfly? Well, yes, she did. She paid Diabetical $1,000 via Cash App, and Diabetti spent that all on fast food and hatred for Jasmine Kennedy. I did not recognize Derek Barry. Why not? I did not. Okay. Also, they did not have better lighting. I know, uh, right? For that, that was backstage. It was. It was literally backstage. It was most likely like five minutes after filming this. They were like, "We have to go film this," and the girls were getting ready. Yeah, I did not recognize. Her. <laughs> <laughs> Would you eat a dragonfly? Uh, if Jeff Prose is in front of me, sure. 
There it is. Now, Kahana Montrese asked a question for, for Skylar from San Francisco. They want to know, Orion's story, which challenge are you bummed that you missed the most and which one would you have slayed? Well, Orion says she would have slayed a lot of the challenges like the 60s girl group and the Snatch Game. And Bosco then asks her, what season were you on? Oh, oh no. Funny, funny. And finally, Alexis Mateo asks a question for Simon from Phoenix. Deja, I'm a huge Lil John fan, but I can't afford him on Cameo. So can you please wish my mother, Yolanda, a happy birthday? And she did. And she did. We can move on. Exactly. Well, the queens <laughs> who didn't get to read their sisters get the chance to read their season 14 sisters. It's the reading challenge redux. First up, Maddie Anjin. As short as your time was, maybe you should change your name to February. That was like the that. best read. I feel good. like very smart, very intellectual. Best and no, I feel like Maddie had the best reads. If I agree, Maddie, Maddie could have won if there was a winner for this uh, mm-hmm. reading challenge redux. I think it would have been Maddie. Maddie on Camden, I'm really happy for you. I'm glad you made the top, and I'm so impressed that you managed to do it without wearing a lip for half the season. Camden's going to retort with Maddie Metamorphosis. When I look at you, I just think, oh, man. (laughs) Really? Alyssa on Orion, you clearly are a story, a bedtime story. (sighs) Execution could have been better. (sighs) Yeah. June on Jasmine, my lip sync assassin, more like assassinated by three non-dancers at once. Facts are facts, America. Uh, yeah, that is a fact and a read. Now, June on Cornbread, I know you love the Mayflower because you always wear them pilgrim pumps. And Cornbread <laughs> will say, speaking of pumps, didn't your shoe come off when you lost that lip sync? <laughs> now, Cornbread on June, speaking of things RuPaul said, you and your zebra look, she said, busting out all over. That wasn't a pop culture reference. She was talking about your ill-fitting costumes like your entrance look. Whoop! Orion on June. I know you said you were a top, but you're really good at being in the bottom. With you, girl. With you. And Orion on cornbread, the snack that smiles back. A little unknown fact about cornbread is she's the only person in her street to ever out Pizza the Hut. And I did that without the stumble. It was bad. (laughs) She fumbled. And Mandy will say, how is your last name going to be story if you can't even read? <laughs> yes, buddy. Home run. And finally, cornbread on Deja. Everyone on the season says you're helpful. You do everything for them. You remind them of Jesus. And you and Jesus have something in common. You both have 12 followers. Uh-huh. I love that one. That was really good. Um, the library is closed officially, but the gift shop at the Flamingo is officially open for you to buy your shit for a drag race. We love product placement. Right. <laughs> They're like, we have to include the gift shop somehow. Now, Rue's going to give the queens one last chance to get things off their chesticles. Daya says, moving forward and past this, she tells Jasmine she knows she picks on her a lot and said hurtful things and she hasn't been kind to Georges. But if there is anyone who wants to talk to her, her phone is on. She will consider them sisters regardless. Real family fights, real sisters, WWE Smackdown all the time. She appreciates them both. Georgia says thank you as it takes a lot to own it up to it. She also says she doesn't need any validation. She still got that check. She's the only bitch who can rock a napkin. And Jasmine says thank you and appreciates it. She knows she went crazy earlier, but they just didn't have the conversation. They need to get to a place where they can communicate better. Now we're going to end with some words from Maddie. Now I was like, oh, what's going on? 
She doesn't want to be saying anything too disparaging about the show or room. But the fact that they put two design challenges so close together reads as blatant heterophobia. (laughs) And then to follow it up with an over-the-top acting challenge with Southern accents and fart jokes. And she was excluded from that. And Rue says, well, that was just the intersection of homophobia and racism. She accepts all the blame for it. And this was the moment. It's like, Maddie won this episode. Maddie was fucking incredible. Yeah, Maddie was really funny. Um, Funnily enough, I was not uncomfortable when (laughs) Maddie Morphosis joked about heterophobia, but I was so uncomfortable, you know, when RuPaul volleyed back. And I'm like, you don't even talk about this ever. Why are you? I know. It was odd. Anyways, that's why I I appreciated the way Maddie uh, spoke earlier. Yeah, Maddie was a winner tonight. And Maddie was wearing wig x you should follow wig x on instagram that's wig x love it well it's time to check in with the final five as we learn their highs and lows during the season angeria says her lowest point was doing tammy brown and knowing rupaul was gonna laugh her jokes but she did not and when she did it was her laughing because she didn't know what she was talking about her high was involving rue as when she told her she didn't expect all this from her and she went what does it say about me? She must have looked at my audition tape and said, "This she ain't fitting to be nothing. Angie was very cute and had no airtime this episode. No airtime. None. This was it. Oh, Angie. We, oh, no, we, had, like, we had the Camden for, thing, but that was it. Was, yeah. Bosco says her low was when every contestant, every judge, RuPaul, the camera operators, the person signing the checks, and the PAs told her to go home. The high was the every opportunity that she got to shit talk her fellow contestants and won. (laughs) Daya says low was being sent home the first week, and the high was being sent home the first week as it relit the fire under her ass. And I was like, that makes sense. That's fair. That's uh... Lady Camden. Go ahead. That's a smart answer from her. Yeah. Lady Camden shares that her low point was watching herself in the girl group challenge in a bob with a huge underlash and too much white eyeliner and realizing she looks like the spitting image of the old man from Family Guy. And that is the T. <laughs> she read herself. Her high point was being underestimated and then win three challenges. It surprised them and it was a big moment for her and also meeting Angeria. Aww. And for Willow, her low point was when Cornbread left. And it's not that she loves Cornbread. It's because she hated everyone else so much. Her high was Spaghetti Bathgate because she always wanted to go on the runway and defile the stage. She really did that on the first episode that she was on. Wow. Um, Now I'm going to say it. This was a weird reunion because there's one topic we did not discuss. What was it? Willow and her illness. Uh, okay. Well, because I think it's being saved for the finale. Yeah, I mean, you know how they have those little sit downs? I think that's where they're saving it for. I think that's where it's going to come up. Yeah, we'll see. Um, this was really good. This was, I mean, besides that, I feel like this was a really good, uh, Kennedy show. What is it? Jasmine show. Well, we're just going to reveal that the winner is still only getting 100K, but we know that the number has been upped. Um, I guess we're just going to keep the surprise for next week. But we're also going to learn that the performance is going to be show-stopping solo numbers, and then the two queens will go head-to-head for Lip Sync SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I'm here for this version. I really like this. This is go- The last time we did this was season eight. 
And those weren't even like original numbers. They were written for those queens. Yes, with Bob. I don't want to show up. Yep, and legs for Naomi. Yeah, and Femme Fatination for yep. Kimchi. Um, so I like this. And again, I know what we're doing here. I know everything is a little tryout for the Voss event, Work the World Tour, and the uh, Drag Race Live Vegas show. They, they want to see these shows and how they can do it, and that's how they're going to determine winners. Fine, I get it. I see it through it. But at least it feels fair, and we're not going to see um, 12 botched um, reveals. Yeah, they don't need to have a reveal unless they really want to. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm excited to see uh, what happens uh, next week on the finale. Um, so, who are you rooting for? Well, let, let, let's let's start with the burning questions. We're, we're going to honor the, the eliminated queens first. And I'm going to okay. ask you, who will return for an all-star season? Who will return for all-stars? Uh, Georgia's. Mm-hmm. Ding. Um, yeah, I think Georges will return. Jasmine and Diet will de- definitely be back. Um, but I think jo- I, I think the one that will come back the quickest will be Georges. I can see it. And maybe, maybe Maddie. Maybe. I don't know if Maddie will come back. I think it might take a little bit more time. Um, I think she had her moment, and I don't even know if we need it again. But I want her. She's really funny. Yeah, well, I, I think if, if if she can get better looks, there's definitely a possibility. Well, that's what All Stars for. Miss T. All right, who will be crowned Miss Congeniality? Oh, Cornbread. You think it's Cornbread? Oh, I um, thought it was going to be um, Angeria, but I, I feel like everyone has a different opinion of Cornbread, and they really loved her that maybe we didn't necessarily see fully on the show, but I could see Cornbread winning. Well, remember the voting rules for Miss Congeniality is they just have is is whoever gets the most votes, not a majority right. of votes. Right. And it's a really fucked up voting system. Yeah, she's because, the queens. Yeah. So um yeah. I think cornbread. Yeah. All right. Well, after 15 episodes, the winner of the season is. Uh I just I... want one name. Give me one name. Oh, 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 they're all so good. Oh, oh, shoot. Okay, I think I really want Algeria. I really do. But I have a a feeling it's going to be Willow. I think it's Willow's year. I have said it many times now. It's a 3-1-1 for me. The first one is Daya. She has no chance of winning. The second one is Bosco. No chance of winning. Why both of them were eliminated, I think it would just be weird to have them win. The really? three would be Angeria in my third place. Willow in second. I am going all in Team Camden. Um, I adore her. I think she is brilliant. What she has done on the season has been a great trajectory. Um, we know Rue loves a campy British queen and could... Could you imagine the storylines of finally a British queen winning money on Drag Race? Um, <laughs> that's the tea I want. Um, I could see Willow winning for storyline. I can see Willow um, being a great winner. This reunion made me feel like maybe not. We did not hear a lot from Willow. We did not. Well, um, really, the only, I mean, really the top 
we heard so much from Jasmine that we couldn't really get to the top. Right. Five. Like we got a full segment with Daya. We did get a bit of a segment with Lady Camden twice with Angeria and Bosco. Bosco obviously was through Camden. Um, and Willow was through Cornbread story. So if you analyze it that way, I don't know. Maybe or maybe I'm just reading it wrong. I don't know. I, don't I know. think no matter what, it's going to be fun. Yes. Um, but we love when a finale mixes mystery with um, intrigue because you never, you, we don't know who's going to win. It's really, really up in the air, and that's what makes the season work. Yes. It's not a, um, oh my God, look, it's Bianca. She's winning the show the second she walked in the workroom. Yeah. Oh my God, look at that. It's Bob. Exactly. The second she walked in the workroom. Aquaria, duh. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, what's, uh, what's her name? An All Stars 5. Shay walks in. She wins. Yeah. So you no know, matter what, I'm excited for next week. And I'm also excited to get a break from the American season because I want more international seasons. I love them. Even though this week's um, Espanol was really bad. Um, oh, really? You thought it was bad this week? I didn't get it. <gasps> oh, also, no. as, as I will say on the recording, it was like watching really bad indie theater. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah, I think, I mean, Estrella really shown. And Sharon, oh my God, yeah, top two, right there. Yeah, I'm that, so excited. That is my top two, Estrella and Sharon. Come on. Well, we will be talking about Drag Race España later in the season, but for now, where can we find you on social media, Venmo, and any projects you want to plug? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on social media at Drag Queen JP, including my Venmo, and I am really excited because I am starting my first my first brunch that's my own brunch at yas chicken now get this this chicken place open about 30 minutes from my place and the name is yas chicken y-a-s yas chicken i'm like i have to try it and i went and it was so delicious that i became a regular and then I would post on my Insta and they would post me back. And then we started talking and I'm doing a brunch. May That's 15th. amazing. Where yeah. is it? May 15th at Yas Chicken. It's in um, Alston here in Boston, Massachusetts. Ooh. And all the details is going to be on my social media at DragQueenJP. Um, follow me. I'll follow you back. No promise. I love that. Um, oh, I, I've had I've had many tales of Austin um, when I went to school in Boston. Ooh. Um, but yes, this was fun. Thank you so much for being here. Of course, thank you so much for having me back. It's always a delight cackling with you. You have a really great sense of humor that I really appreciate. And thank you everybody for listening. A huge thanks to JP for coming on. Subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review while you're there. And don't forget to visit buymeacoffee.com slash block talk to show support for the pod. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at fearthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Mm-hmm.